Hello, I'm Paul Amos, founder of The Redeemed, a ministry that is devoted to providing inspiration and direction for men struggling with a variety of issues. Welcome and thank you for listening to this episode of Pursuing Restoration, a podcast by The Redeemed. In each episode, we will talk with some of America's most vibrant, independent-minded ministers and theologians to talk with them about a variety of issues that affect men in our modern society and the clarity that God's teaching can offer in difficult times. We hope that you will find food for your soul today. Today, we're very blessed to have the opportunity to have a special speaker here at our Pursuing Restoration format. Uh, Patrick Tyndall, who is here at the founder of Ironman Outdoors. Please welcome Patrick. Hey, Paul, it's an honor and a blessing to be here with you, brother. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We uh, appreciate you taking time away from your very busy schedule and being willing to come here, especially as you go into the busiest time of year. And I know we'll get into that uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, Patrick, if I could start today by asking you just a a question that we ask all of our viewers, all, all the people that come on the show, what is redemption mean to you? Yeah, I think of the old hymn, you know, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And I think uh, I'm a sinner. I'm like Paul. At times I'm chief among sinners Uh, and I can't redeem myself. But Christ has redeemed me through his grace and his mercy and what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And for that, I'm redeemed. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Maybe if we could persuade you, Patrick, to Maybe tell us a little bit about your story and a little bit about what brought you to the place to even begin a new ministry uh, like Ironman Outdoors. Yeah, so I'm an average guy, okay, just like all the average guys that are watching this this uh, webinar podcast. I mean, it, there ain't nothing special about Patrick, okay? Uh, in 2002, I was teaching a Sunday school class at a Baptist church in Columbia, South Carolina, and we had this little problem. We, we we had a lot of women in our class, but we didn't have a whole lot of men. And the men that were there were kind of asleep. And I thought, well, maybe maybe it's my Sunday school teaching. Maybe I'm the reason that they don't want to come. And I began to read some books and do some research. And I began to find out that, you know, there's a, there's a, a problem in our churches today, and it's the lack of men. And some, you know, some st- statistics will show you that it's like 60 you know, 69% female. If you just look at the adults, if you take kids out of the mix, the average church in America is about 69% female, which tells me we got a huge gap and we've got to do some work to reach our men. So I began, me and a group of small group of guys in my Sunday school class, we began to to kind of come up with a strategy. How can we reach so-and-so's husband? How can we reach that guy? And I would ask her, I would say, well, where's your husband at? She'd say, oh, well, it's you know, it's it's the rut, and he loves to hunt. So, and then and then it comes springtime. Well, well, it's turkey season, and he he really, you know, he's got to get his gobblers, or or you know, the bass are spawning, and he's he's fishing today. So we kind of had this moment of divine inspiration, and I I truly truly believe it was divine inspiration. We said, okay, let's have a a weekend that we plan for men, and let's do it not at the church, not in the Sunday school class. Let's do it at the lake. And so we went to uh, Santee Cooper, which is a, a famous two. There's two big lakes here in, in South Carolina that make up the Santee Cooper system. They're world famous. Uh, we had several guys in our class that owned boats. I think South Carolina is like number two in the country of boat ownership per capita. 
Uh, right, behind, right behind Florida. Yeah. So there's a lot of people with boats here. And I had one guy who loves to cook. And I said, man, you bring your grill and I want you to cook. And we had about 12 guys that first weekend. And after dinner, I wanted us to do something more spiritual than just saying the blessing. I didn't want to do a worship service. I, I didn't want anybody to have to sing, but I wanted us to have a manhood discussion. Mm. And we wanted to, and I wanted to really talk about what it means to be a godly husband. What does that look like? How do you, how am I supposed to treat my wife? And so many of our guys grew up in homes that were broken. So they don't have a good picture of what a marriage, a godly marriage looks like. And so they need to rub shoulders with other men. You know, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. I think that means you got to rub up against some other guys because all of a man's ways seem innocent to him, it tells us in the Bible. And so Patrick can justify, well, as long as we're not fighting and arguing, I guess we've got a great marriage. Well, not necessarily. And how do I become a godly father? What's that look like? What am I supposed to do? I mean, I take my kids to church, but what am I supposed to be leading a family Bible study? I mean, what does all that look like? And so we unpacked that on the weekend and guys began to open up and they began to really share things that they would have never talked about at the church or in the Sunday school classroom. And we began to find out that atmosphere is key. Paul, to getting men to open up. And so that lake house was the right atmosphere. A hunting cabin is the right atmosphere. When you go to Myrtle Beach or when you go to these other stores that you get out of the truck and you follow turkey tracks that are written on the pavements to follow to the store, and then the store looks like this giant log cabin, and you walk in that big log cabin, and over on this side, there's thousands of rod tips, fishing rods over here, on this wall over here, there's hundreds of gun barrels, and you as a man say, I am home. <laughs> I can spend two hours in Bass Pro Shop and not get tired, but you take me to Kohl's or to Old Navy or some of these stores with my wife, and I mean, 10 minutes and my feet are starting to hurt. I'm looking for a place to sit down. Bass Pro Shop sells atmosphere just as much as they sell product. And we in my Sunday school class, we discovered that we need to put men in the right atmosphere to talk to them about Christ. And so that's where the retreat idea came from. Uh, 2007, a guy came on the retreat and looked at me and said, Patrick, this could be bigger than just your Sunday school class. And I pulled together the group of guys from my, from my class and, I, and we, we formed a, a board of directors. Uh, we ran a 50, we established a 501c3. None of us had a clue what in the world we were doing, but we were being obedient to what God was calling us to do. And the retreats just got more and they got more adventurous and, and further out geographically. And uh, now fast forward, uh, I guess, 14 years later, um, God's just blessed it. And, uh, and this is, you know, through, through the generous support of, of some donors, this is what I do full time. And, and I'm just thankful that God lets me be a part of it. Well, that is exciting. What a, what a wonderful adventure. And I agree with you. Atmosphere is something that is sold in so many different places. You know, you mentioned a statistic that I had not heard before with 69% of people in church being women. I'm curious whether you think, the, and, and not to knock the traditional church, but just to think about what atmosphere is being built within the church to draw 69% women and only 31% men. Yeah, I think you're starting to see a lot of the newer 
uh, multi-site campuses, uh, the larger churches, you're starting to see them become very intentional about their architecture and the type of building materials that they're using inside their worship centers. You're starting to see uh, more um, corrugated uh, steel and, or tin and that type of thing used as trim, even in the men's restroom. You're starting to see deer heads hanging in church in the men's restrooms. Uh, I think these are churches that are very intentionally uh, designing it that way so that men feel comfortable there. And I think they're having a lot of success and, and we need more of that. So how do we, th- obviously there's a, there's a step in integration there uh, that you're able to bring together with new forms of architecture, uh, but how do we bring together men and women in an atmosphere that is not just inviting for both of them, but is inviting for them collectively? Well, if you, if you get the man, you're going to get the women, you're going to get the family. I mean, you've, we've all heard the statistic, if you reach a man for Christ, it's like 90, 90% of the time, the whole family comes to know the Lord. And so I think if we're intentional about reaching men, I think the wives are going to respond to that because they want their husband there. They want him plugged into a men's Bible study. They want him to be connected. Um, a lot of wives, you know, have been waiting for men to step up and lead in the home. Uh, and so I think if we if we are intentional about reaching men, it's going to benefit the whole family. And I don't think you're going to have a problem getting the ladies and the children there as well. Because when dad's there, they want to be there also. Well, knowing how important leadership is from a male perspective, tell me a little bit about what type of men show up to your retreats and what type of mindset they're in from a leadership perspective when they arrive. Well, I can tell you some of them can't shoot a rifle very good because we have a lot of big bucks that are missed, but I I won't go there. Uh, I'm just kind of joking. But the, the typical guy who comes on one of our retreats, Uh, We've had guys, you know, uh, as young as 21, 22, all the way up to early 70s. But by and large, it's it's guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s who have a little bit of disposable income to be able to to afford to go on an out-of-state hunt. Uh, Our our hunts are very affordable. We're not outfitters. We don't have a whole lot of overhead. Uh, We're just looking to pay for the cost of the leases and the food plots that we put in and the millennium tree stands that you sit in. Uh, so our hunts are very affordable, but but these guys, uh, like just like all of us, they wear really good camo, okay? And I'm not talking about Sitka. They wear really good camo over areas of their life. And wh- when I say that, here's what I mean. I know how to act in front of my mother-in-law, and so do you. And I know how to act in front of the boss at the staff meeting on Mondays. And I know how to act in front of the guys at the hunting club on Saturday. And I know how to act in front of the pastor at church on Sunday. And what I'm really doing is I'm putting on different patterns of camo to blend into my surroundings. And when we see guys that show up on our retreats, I mean, they sometimes they look like they just stepped off the page of Cabela's catalog. I mean, they've got the finest camouflage. They're wearing the Sitka they're, they got the, the $2,500, you know, custom rifle, or if it's a hog hunt, they got an AR with thermal and all this stuff on. I mean, they've spent a lot of money. They're driving an F-250, you know, $70,000 King Ranch. But on the inside, even though they're wearing good camo, on the inside, they're just like all of us. They're struggling. They may have a marriage that's struggling. They may have just gone through a divorce. They may have just lost their job that was you know, a man's career is such a big part of his identity, and they may be going through some sort of career crisis. They've got kids 
that did not turn out the way that they had hoped, or maybe some kids that have made some bad decisions um, and, and we're just broken. All of us as men are a fragile, fragile bunch, and we need God's grace. We need to rub shoulders with other men. We need accountability. And, and I, I think these guys, it's no coincidence. It's no accident that they came on these retreats um, because usually they, they've come that weekend to hear a word, not from Patrick or Iron Man Outdoors. They've come to hear a word from the Lord. And maybe there's a manhood discussion that we have on marriage. I've actually had a guy text me one time. He came on a retreat and he, him and his wife were having struggles. And he told me uh, after the fact, he told me that he wasn't planning on going home to his wife. He had planned after the hunt, he was going to his brother's house. And he texted me on Monday and he said, I just want you to know, because of that discussion we had on marriage, he said, I went home after this weekend and me and my wife started a conversation and we, we're working through some of our issues. And wow. so, you know what? He needed to be there that weekend and it might've just saved his marriage. That is truly exciting. What an impact you're obviously having. You know, when I think about um, the atmosphere that you're creating at these weekends, you know, most of these guys show up and they probably don't know that they have camouflage on. Uh, when I think about my personal history and my story, one of my spiritual mentors used a different term other than camouflage. He talked about the Paul suit, the facade that I was putting on on the outside. And I had to learn to step out of that Paul suit and continue, you know, to be real and to be open and to be the real me, uh, as opposed to putting on a show for everybody else out there. And I was expending so much energy putting on that show that I never really developed the character and the interpersonal things that I needed to be the spiritual man I should have been, the father, the husband. Uh, that would lead to that. And so I can imagine that you get a lot of people who come in that have never really heard this concept. And so how do you begin to break them down and talk about what their camouflage is and what they can do to take it off? So the whole weekend is, I like to call it a weekend long manhood discussion. So we, we build up to that. We don't start by, you know, saying, take the camel off and tell me all your deepest, darkest sins and what you really struggle with. We start by answer, and I, we have our pro staffers or volunteers, and, and they we have key questions that we throw out. And one of those key questions is, tell me about your father. Tell me something that you learned from your dad that was really good. And tell me something you learned from your dad that wasn't so good. And we'll go around the room that first night, and everybody can pretty much answer that question, even if they didn't have a dad. Maybe they had a grandfather or an uncle who was sort of their dad. And they answer that question. And then the next night, you know, we're going a little bit deeper. And I, I throw out a key question like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your marriage? And most guys, will, I, I mean, I can almost predict they'll say, oh, seven, eight, you know. And then I'll say, well, what if I asked your wife, what would she rate your marriage? What if I asked your kids, what, what, when they see mom and dad, what do they think mom and dad's marriage is? And then it gets very real, very quick. And some guys actually text their wives and say, hey, how would you rate our marriage? And, and typically the number's a, a couple of points lower than what he thought. <laughs> and uh, so that, that causes a lot of you know, good conversation that needs to take place in a marriage. But then the last night is when we really open up and it, to get other guys to take off their camo, I have to be willing to take off my camo. <laughs> and our Ironman pro staffers, they need to be willing to take off their camo. So you gotta be willing to tell your story. And it's not a story of your success. It's a story of your failure. 
And, you know, God uses our brokenness. He uses our weaknesses. He is made strong. And so we got to be willing to show areas of our lives where we struggle and where we're weak. And then that spins into a conversation where a man feels very comfortable uh, opening up in that atmosphere. Again, we're not, this ain't Sunday morning at the worship service. This is a Saturday night in a hunting cabin uh, with sometimes with a group of eight or nine, 10, 12 strangers that you didn't know before the weekend began. And that's where a guy can really open up uh, and share some things about where he wears camo. So you're, you're, you're getting down and dirty with your story. You're telling them about all of the things that have happened to you. And, and how do you see transformation happen in the room as y'all begin to share your most intimate details? So the devil wants you to think that you're the only one who struggles with that. He wants you to believe that your marriage is, is well, he wants you to think your marriage, number one, is bulletproof and, it could, and an, an affair could never happen to you. A divorce could never happen to you. Um, he wants you to think that. But when it comes to your struggles, your sins, and, and look, let's, let's just name them, okay? For guys, uh, I've done hundreds of retreats, and I'm telling you, here's the main sins that guys struggle with. Lust, pride, alcohol, anger, um, tongue, uh, maybe gambling. It's just a handful of things mm-hmm. that, that, that really trip up men in their lives. And what we like to say is we all struggle with the same things and pretend that we don't. But when we when we open up and start sharing with those guys what we struggle with, you know what they say? I'm not alone. Gosh, you struggle with that too. And you you know this guy he's a deacon in your church. He, you know, he's a pastor. I mean he struggles with that too. And then this very uh, you know liberating is not the right word, but it's it's it opens up. And the things that you keep in secret actually have more power over you. But sunshine is the best disinfectant. So when we get it out in the open and say, hey, guys, let me tell you, this is something I'm not proud of, but here's, here's where I struggle. And here's where I've blown it in the past. But here is how Jesus Christ not only died to forgive me of that sin, he died to give me victory over that sin. And you do not have to be a slave to that sin in Christ. Wow. Well, that is powerful from a transformation perspective. So you get these guys on these weekends, and obviously it's a single weekend and a single event. And, uh, you know, I can think about things, things like sales conferences that I used to attend, uh, where you can really get people pumped up and you can get them the rah-rah, but the sustainability of it sometimes is difficult. Maybe you can talk for a few minutes about what you do to help these men after they come out of an important and life-changing event like this. And what can they do to continue and create continuity? Who are you sending them toward? And, uh, and what type of leadership do you help provide for them as an ongoing part of their new life? Yeah, excellent question. So I have a thumb drive um, that I keep with my computer. And on that thumb drive are pictures of, of guys that have been baptized and the first guy that ever did it, uh, I still have that picture. He sent me this picture. This was a year after we did a saltwater fishing retreat off Moorhead City, North Carolina. Uh, we caught some salt, you know, we caught some nice fish that weekend. It was a little bit rough. We didn't go out as far as we wanted to go out to try to get dolphin and tuna and stuff like that. But we did catch some fish. Nothing super spiritual seemed to have happened that weekend. And I kind of went, went away thinking, uh, oh, well, you know. Maybe next time we'll have something more spiritual happen. Well, about a year after that retreat, I get an email out of the blue 
from one of the guys who had been on that retreat that weekend. And it's a picture. It's a picture of him being baptized in his Iron Man Outdoors t-shirt. And this was just very fascinating to me. I mean, this was just really cool, you know. And I said, his name is Brian. I said, Brian, you know, why'd you get baptized in your Iron Man Outdoors t-shirt? He said, because I've been on a journey seeking the Lord for the past year. And he said, it all started that weekend that we went on that trip. He said, that was when it started. Mm. And now through the years, we've had a lot of guys that have been baptized in their Ironman Outdoors t-shirts. And it's not, I mean, to God, to God, the glory, not Ironman. That's not what it's about. But I think it's cool that these guys look back on that weekend and they say that it all started there. Now we do some follow-up. Obviously we have text groups where we're texting during the retreat and I'm actually texting these guys while they're in the tree stand. Mm. Hey, on a scale of one to 10, what do you think your marriage is? Think about it. We'll talk about it tonight. And he's got three hours or four hours to mull over that question while he's in the tree stand. So we have these text groups that sometimes live on for four and five years past the retreat. Oh, wow. uh, this, this year, we've written a follow-up a Bible study, a seven-day follow-up Bible study that guys are going to get automatically. The day they get home from the retreat, well, actually, it'll be that Monday, the following Monday, will be day one. And they'll, to their email inbox, they'll get a Bible study devotion of four or five minutes delivered to their inbox every day for seven days. Uh, sometimes we have followed up with guys who've made decisions of faith. We've helped locate them a church. Uh, we've directed them to churches. Uh, we had one guy from Long Island who came to South Carolina on a hog hunt, and he, he made a decision for Christ. And he, uh, he kind of jokingly told us the next week that on his way home, after he was driving back up north, he stayed in the hotel on the way home, and he stole a Gideon Bible out of the hotel room. And he asked us, did we, did he think that, is that okay? I said, sure, that's okay. They want that Bible to be used. And I said, and oh, by the way, we're going to send you a nice camouflage Bible. Um, so we do some follow-up in ways like that too, but ministry is about relationships and we're building relationships with men. A lot of these guys come on multiple retreats. They'll go back home and they'll tell their wife and kids about it. And they'll tell their buddies, at, you know, at church or wherever they're at, and they'll, you'll see them back next year with two or three guys with them. And so uh, we continue the relationship that way as well. Well, you've mentioned South Carolina today, and I think you mentioned Alabama, or maybe that was our conversation before. But you all have a, a really big footprint. Maybe you can talk a little bit about how far and wide you go so people that are interested from hearing today, if they want to try to connect with you, can understand how broad sweeping uh, your hunts and, and fishing opportunities are. Yeah, absolutely. So we have about 100 volunteers that we call field staffers and pro staffers. And those guys are in 14 different states, um, all the way from Texas, all the way up to, uh, to um, Pennsylvania and in the south. Obviously, uh, we do retreats. We have about 30 deer hunting retreats coming up here in just the next few months. It all gets started in, a, in Cambridge, Ohio here in just a couple of weeks. We've got our first retreat there. Um, we do retreats in uh, Alabama, Kentucky. Uh, Missouri, Wisconsin, Illinois, Kansas, uh, Ohio, I mentioned, and then North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, we've, we've, you know, Texas, we don't have a deer hunt in Texas this year, but we do hog hunting and stuff in Texas. Um, Louisiana, we've done stuff in Louisiana as well. Uh, wherever, guys, we do saltwater fishing in Florida. We have a, a good group down in Jacksonville, Florida. They're big into saltwater fishing, and so they help us put on several uh, redfish and speckled trout type retreats every year. Uh, whatever men want to do, we want to do it with them so that we can connect them to Christ in the outdoors. And that, that's our mission statement. 
If you want to learn more about it, you know, go to www.ironmanoutdoors.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram, uh, social media. Social media really is how we help spread the word about our retreats. You know, we'll post a trail camera picture on there and we'll say, hey, we got, you know, three open spots on this retreat coming up in such and such state. And, um, and a lot of guys, sometimes on one retreat, we'll have guys from five or six different states on one retreat. Uh, we got a father and son retreat coming up. We do some father and son hunts. Uh, this is a hog hunting retreat in Brantley, Alabama, and it's coming up in October. And we were just looking at the spreadsheet last night. We were on a Zoom call, and we've got guys from six different states coming to that father and son retreat. So that's really cool as well. And you mentioned earlier that you had some gentlemen that came on the trip that didn't necessarily have the most hunting experience. I assume that y'all are open to people of all types, and this isn't just for the truly experienced hunter and a fisherman. Yeah, absolutely. If if you're not if 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 you didn't grow up hunting, that's okay. Come with us. We're going to put you in a nice, comfortable stand. We'll help you get your gun sighted in. Like I had, I've had more than one person show up who just came from Walmart and bought their gun. And I said, well, do you need to shoot it? Oh, no, no, it's bore sighted. I should be good. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's go put that thing on the range and let's put it on the paper. And they were way off. And so I'm glad that, glad that uh, we got them sighted in, but we'll help you through all of that. If you don't know how to skin a deer or don't know how to skin a hog, We'll take care of that and help you. Uh, we're not outfitters. Uh, I think we're better than outfitters because the quality of the pro staffers that we have, I mean, they're cream of the crop men who are just like you and I, who love the Lord and they love the outdoors. They want to use their Polaris Ranger or they want to use their passion for the outdoors. They want to use it for the kingdom. And so when you come on our retreats, man, if, if you forget your binoculars, one of our guys is probably going to give you his pair of binoculars. Uh, we've had guys that um, that showed up and something was wrong with their bow. And one of our volunteers, you know, here, let's go out here. You shoot my bow and let's get it set up for your height. And, you know, let's go hit. And then 20, 30 minutes, we got that guy shooting good. And he's now hunting with, with the other guy's bow. Uh, you know, we, just really cool things. And, and I don't think you'd see that um, if you went, you know, with an outfit or at least some outfitters. Well, Patrick, it sounds like you're making a true impact for the kingdom. And uh, I just congratulate you and thank you for all you're doing. Uh, as an avid hunter and fisherman, uh, I admire the, the path you're going and how you go about it. Uh, but as a follower of Christ, I more than anything admire how you're helping lead men uh, back into being the right type of individuals, the right type of husbands, the right type of fathers. Uh, and so thank you so much. Uh, this has been a great opportunity to hear your story and to hear a little bit about Ironman Outdoors uh, and if you could, I'd just like to say thank you to our audience for their time today. Uh, thank you for listening in. We encourage you to turn back here to the redeemed. Uh, we'll have another interesting podcast coming up next month. Uh, please follow us on social media and always look out for us on the third Thursday. Thank you very much.